And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. It's Friday. It's the Athletic MBA Show. That means it's Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave. We got Seth and Mo here as usual. We got our guest, Ben Taylor, and we've got a lot to talk about. Seth, you had something you wanted to get off your chest right away, so let's jump to it. It's going to be a big show. So I think people are aware that I used to work in the front office of the Milwaukee Bucks, and uh, for that reason, I've kind of avoided talking about the Bucks and especially the Giannis situation for the last year and a bit. And now that he has, you know, officially signed his Supermax extension, I've got a few things I kind of want to get off my chest here that have been bothering me about this for, you know, when I was there until and through now. And yes, some of this might come off as a little homerish, but I don't care. So the first thing I want to talk about is that the mere discussion of this, the the volume and, and weight of the discussion of this isn't just reporting the news, it's creating news. It's creating narratives and impacts and things that teams react to. I can attest to this from the inside, that at a certain volume, these things matter um, to how a team operates. I, I, in a different context, an example I would give is uh, when he was in charge of the 76ers, Sam Hinkie did not care about what was going on in the media or what was said about his team. And that stuff didn't matter until all of a sudden the Jaleel Okafor incidents happened. And then it mattered a great deal. And then he was, you know, direct line from that out of a job. Um, now, this is a slightly different context, but for the amount that's talked about, will he, won't he sign? Where should he go? Uh, what are some of the suitors? All of that affects how teams operate, not just in Milwaukee, but every other team that thought they had a chance because they're not just uh, operating you know, on what they think. They're operating on, well, this is reported. This is leaked. We have a 10% chance. We have a this. We have that. How much cap stays do we need to have? And that so that is that the choice of how that news percolates and is discussed has a real effect on what's actually unfolding in the league. And you know, to some extent, that's unavoidable, but that's something that should be acknowledged. Second thing is we spend all this time talking about tampering, talking about, you know, discussions of deals that can't be made yet. Investigations are started. You know, contracts are signed suspiciously early, all that stuff. Well, what is it if it's not a team that's doing this, but in some ways, like, you, I, or other kind of talking heads are operating almost as agents of teams saying, not just will he or won't he, but he should go here. He should do this, this or that. This stuff is hard enough from a standpoint of building a team, running a team, putting a championship team around a great player that you don't need the kind of the the official league superstructure working against you uh, in a way that, you know, 
certainly implies that only a few teams matter because until a player gets to LA or New York or maybe Miami, he doesn't matter or he's not maximized or he's not, he's not in the proper spotlight. So this is a problem. And finally, that ties into something we've talked about a lot on this show, which is uh, all of the stuff around how the game is presented that make it seem like the game itself doesn't matter. Think of all the discussion that has been around the Bucks for the last two years. It's been the best regular season team in the league for two years. Every discussion of will they win the title this year? Have they done enough to, to put talent around Giannis? Will they make the proper adjustments in the playoffs? Will things break the right way to win the championship? It's not, well, will they win a championship? It's, well, will they win a championship so Giannis stays? We've already skipped past the important part and are talking about the second order concern. We're talking about will this player stay, not who's going to win the championship this year. What are we doing here? We're talking about trying to the, – the competition is what we're supposed to be here about, the competition in the sport. And all of a sudden, we're spending so much time on what this is and, and really focus on. This is something that's interesting, but it's a side dish. It's a spice. It's not the main meal. You don't eat cinnamon for dinner. You eat steak. And the, the playoffs, the championship, the season, that's the meal. And all of this focus on the sugar high of the transaction game just goes so far – and really makes it an unhealthy diet for consumption of the sport. Uh, so thank you. I cede the floor. Yeah. I mean, listen, we, we all know that uh, one of my pet peeves is the fact that everyone acts like the games don't matter. And to a certain degree in the regular season, you could argue an 82 game and 72 game this year, regular season kind of lends itself to that. I, I agree. I, I, I've been rooting for Giannis to re-sign with the Bucks because – I don't want to do this thing again where I talk about where Giannis might sign all year or should they trade him because he didn't sign an extension. I'd much rather talk about the game itself. So I'm with you. I, mean, I had no idea that front offices were being influenced by the media, though. That's that's kind of news to me in, in the sense that they start feeling pressure because, you know, uh, someone on a, a sports talk show is is only saying that Giannis can win if he leaves Milwaukee. That just seems... I don't know. I wouldn't feel that way if I were running a team. Yeah, but that's not – you're not the one running the team. It's the owner, right? And if you have an owner that's hearing this on the news, he's coming down with the pressure on it. That's why the – you know, people get so upset with aggregations and things like that. And this don't aggregate me because then this team's going to be upset with me and all that bullshit and everything that comes with it. And so that's – it it has that effect completely. And the thing is that this is something that's been happening – for like 10 years now i mean this is from lebron leaving cleveland the first time you know and every year there's a new guy there's a new will he or won't he where will he go deal we had the the whole thing some guys play into it i'm with dave very thankful we're 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 not gonna have to cover uh Giannis watch 2021 this year and and it's gonna be a, a a good thing but you know this is also what drives a lot of the fans unfortunately right and this is and this is you know we the media is the business right they're going to push to get ratings and to get stuff and all this stuff and this is a larger scale issue not just sports media but in general right like they're not reporting news they're going to create content and get everybody going i mean i know it from when i post a video if i post a video breaking down basketball it does all right 
I post a video of Howard uh, Dwight Howard shooting a, a, a jumper after practice or something like that. That does 30,000 views. It's like, what do you, that was a nothing video that was brainless. And this is, you know, like there's, it's a matter of what the people want. If, 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 if fans are tired of it, well, they got to show it in in what they give their attention to. I think that's really kind of what comes down to it. That media is just chasing money. That's they're just chasing the crowd. To be clear, I, I think it is a, Teams planning for what might be an opportunity down the road is a completely legitimate story. Miami signing, you know, Goran Dragic and Myers Laird to two-year contracts with a second-year non-guaranteed to preserve cap space next year. Like, that is an important part of the story. Why'd they do that? Well, they want to blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's legit. It's where it just becomes so overwhelming that that's the only thing we talk about and that's the only aspect of anything to do with like this – this like a non-quote-unquote glamour team that's worth talking about is whether or not these teams can poach this 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 one player. That's where it, it tips into kind of unhealthiness and it becomes the cycle where, yeah, in the short term, people are going to chase the quick rip of, of kind of that – like I called it earlier, sugar high. But I don't think that's healthy long term for a broad range of interest across 30 teams. And unless we're going to really just put 10 teams in LA and 10 teams in New York and and have it be like the, you know, the the network media battles or something like that, we have to be cognizant of 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 things that just make everyone else seem like they don't matter. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. My my friends and I refer to the uh, the sort of thing like the Dwight Howard jump shot getting a lot of attention. It's dog eats from cat dish, right? It's not really that big of a deal because a dog will eat from any dish, but that's the kind, it's like America's funniest home videos, right? It's outlandish to a certain degree. Like you just don't expect to see Dwight Howard shooting a jump shot. Whereas basketball players doing basketball things, is kind of whole hum. I wish it was the other way, but it's like the funny part is it's one's in game when it matters. And one is just him working on something after practice. Yeah. Like that's All right. Well, the reason we're here and the reason we have Ben Taylor is to talk awards. Uh, so let's jump right into it. But first, let's talk about the awards that nobody should care about. Nobody should have an opinion. Well, maybe not. Maybe not that far. All right. It's fun to have opinions. But there are a bunch of awards that just don't really mean anything. And we see this every single year when you're trying to figure out Who's going to win an award? Most improved player is the most insane award every single year. It's usually just, hey, this guy got more minutes. I mean, Ben, look, 
Should Luka Doncic have been the most improved player last season? Should should Giannis have been the most improved player two seasons ago when he won the MVP? Yeah, you know how I feel about this, Dave. I, I mean, know. I thought I thought Luka was a slam dunk for it last year. But I think to your point, this particular award is just like the guy who surprised us the most, dot, 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 probably with the box score, right? It's like right. it's like someone who we didn't really think was going to put up numbers this year, who put up numbers, and that seems to be the overwhelming criteria because when you talk about second-year players, third-year players, fourth-year players, I've heard people say, well, maybe we shouldn't have a second-year guy, but if it's a second-year guy that comes out of nowhere, then it's all good. So, yeah, that I, I'm with you on that one. That That one, to me, is more like the player who surprised us the most. Right. And Devontae Graham got a lot of most improved buzz. That's the sort of guy I look when he first came up out of the G League, he didn't look like an NBA player. And and then he, now he's a starter. Now, whether he's actually a starter or not is whatever. But that guy clearly improved a lot. But I just think that that award in general is usually just given to somebody that got more playing time. It has nothing to do with raw production. Another award. Seth, who cares about the six man of the year award? Yay points. Yeah. The, I think the last eight six man of the year winners can, can to some degree be described as empty calorie scores. Um, It's really interesting. If you look at the history of the six man of the year award, they actually, in the first kind of decade it was awarded, there was a certain kind of, it was a, a guy who came off the bench and like, changed games and gave you options and and did a lot of really interesting things. It was Bobby Jones, it was Kevin McHale, it was Detlef Schrempf. I mean, these are guys who 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 come in and and it's like, oh wow, this is a different thing we're facing now. And now it's, you know, who the guys who win it now are are, you know, bench chuckers. And so it's now just the guy who can score a little who isn't good enough to start. And I don't like right. and is that really changing the game or is just that's just the like the best of the almost pretty good players. Yeah, that And that's pretty much what it is. It's almost like they're just uh, finding a way to hand out participation trophies. And I, I think the absolute worst award, Mo, executive of the year. Uh, how do you know if you can't see three years down the line? This is like trying to judge a draft the day after the draft. We do that exactly. anyway. So, well, we I know do that we anyway. do. No, no, no. We do that. Well, we just trade. talked about it at the top. The, it's content. We do that with everything, right? The second it happens, <laughs> let's evaluate it and not give a guy a chance to actually be something, right? And and a lot of these moves, people don't understand sometimes what the moves are. You know, right. they just see the guy was signed. They don't understand the the team's thinking behind it, or maybe they had another move planned. You know, they were going to sign this guy, and then this was going to happen, but that part didn't happen. Like, there's always moving parts to everything like that we just listen we just love giving out awards everybody needs a little love let's give the executive a love i'm pissed off there's not an award for the best trainer why isn't there a best video coordinator award i'm sure i never would have won it (laughs) but like let's just be you know let's let's just make sure we get it all around you know best trainer best equipment guy Best PR staff. Actually, I think there is one with, awarded by the, the media for best PR staff. But like we give out just it's, it, ma- it makes no sense. This stuff, nobody, the executive of the year award, like the move some of these teams made five years ago is what led to the championship now versus the, you know, sometimes it's the move you made this offseason, but sometimes it's the one from further back. And are we going to reward that kind of retroactively? Like we're not. I, 
Well, Sam Presti's just going to win executive of the year for the next six years anyway, because he's going to draft Cade Cunningham. He's going to draft Chet Holmgren and all like he's every move that he makes is going to look genius because he got good players, but he won't win any one year because of where his team is. Right. He's not signing Kevin Durant and, and being able to say, wow, you're a genius executive. And I'm not knocking Golden State or, or Brooklyn, uh, their executives. I just don't think it's doesn't really take a lot of work to say, hey, Kevin Durant, come join the Warriors and win a championship. Like, but, to, but to Mo's point, like that's actually the like, OK, the the the, the you know, the, the whether you want to give it to Bob Myers or Jerry West or whoever, like they won that award three years earlier when they, you know, got everything in place so that, hey, cap spike, KD, right. come on over. And, you know, there's, you know, some fortune to that, but also they set themselves up again with the move. You know, down the road, you talk. You just talk about Presti and who's he, who he's going to draft in the next couple of years. Well, where did those picks come from? They came from you know, yeah. from you know, Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul and Al Horford and and all these things that they're doing to the, all these these this kind of churn. Uh, having just killed the transaction game, uh, <laughs> let's give credit, credit to Sam Presti for winning the transaction game. But still, um, yeah. But even that, even that. Even if okay, so what if a team that Sam Presti has gotten the draft pick from wins the championship this year? Can does that disallow him from executive of the year? Does that take him out because he gave away a piece we that was need, a championship? Like it's just too it's stupid. I think we need executive power rankings. That's that's the next step in this in this following the front office trend. In, yes, in we need more rankings. I love that we started the podcast I know. with I know. with with a whole rant of media stuff <laughs> that's useless, and then Dave comes in with executive yeah. power rankings. Good well, work. okay, so this is not a show full of haters. That's not what we do on this show. You sure. So, I mean, okay, Speak look, for we yourself. hate when it's a we hate when it's appropriate, but for the most part, we try to celebrate. So, let's look ahead at the awards, but the first award that I want to, that I want us to talk about is a made up award. It's, it's probably what most improved should be changed to comeback player of the year. I think that this season in particular, you have so many high profile options to win a comeback player of the year award that the league should just add one right now. It's, it's another, it's another (laughs) chance to celebrate your players this is a good award because you're really you're celebrating someone coming back from probably an injury. Um, I think that they should just go ahead. They, they're about to have this board of governors meeting. Listen to the show. I know you guys do. Add this award. Just do it. So I'm, I'm going to start with the guest, Ben. Go, oh, you look like you've got something to say. Yeah, they used to have this award. Do you, are, are you not aware of this? No, I'm saying bring it back. Okay, because you said it was yeah. a made-up award, and I'm like that. Ben, ben, well, who we're was the last one to won it. Not, who won it last? Present. Uh, I think it was Marcus Johnson, 1986. There you go. Is that right? Do we have fact checkers. I wasn't quizzing no. you. I was oh, asking okay. you. It no, wasn't I, it's like been I a while. An I'll, I'll have the nerder intern uh, look that up. <laughs> I later. have a proposal. I have a proposal. This this should be you know how you have like uh, Golden Globes do like best actor in a drama drama and best actor in a in a comedy. Uh, there should be, yes. you know, mo- comeback player from injury and comeback player from sucking. Like like a guy who was just like not good last year and has been and plays much better this year. A guy who was good, had a bad year, bounced back. Like that's that should that's that should good. be there, there should be someone who wins that award. And then also like can we have the can we have the fall off the cliff award then? <laughs> oh, no, we're the, the, no, the, the, only the, celebratory yeah. awards. <laughs> this is not the Razzies. We're not handing out Razzies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Ben, uh you're you're 
your guess for this season's comeback player of the year? Uh, I'm going to follow what Seth said. And if I could pick someone from, you know, not being good last season who comes back this year, man, I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but the guy who jumped into my head, I'm going to steal it. I'm going to take it. So no one else can take it is Draymond Green. I think he's the candidate. Seth does not like no, I do. that. Let's go to Seth. I, 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 I do say? like it, but he, the, he but, played one good game. I I I, uh, I do like that pick. I mean, I was as I was proposing this, I was thinking of Al Horford, but it's a similar similar kind of idea. Ooh, ooh. See, yeah, I disagree. See, I don't like that pick because here's the thing: he just took the year off. He did. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Count. He sucked. It, like Al right. Horford's a good pick. I like that one from Seth because he was in a bad situation, didn't work out, things just awkward situation. Draymond was just like. No clay. Steph gets hurt in game what three? I'm good. Like that, you don't get the award. You don't get mm. the award. You took the break. Yes. Both I'm, teams I'm, didn't play hard. That's what you're <laughs> right, saying. Exactly. Yeah. Ball still I'm didn't honestly lie. surprised that Seth didn't say. I'm surprised Seth didn't say Trey Young. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're not haters here. Player of the year. That's right. That's right. Uh, honestly, what's like, the other one? Kevin Durant. For, Kevin Durant. Injury right? like for, from injury. Kevin. Durant. What about John Wall? But Blake Griffin. No, I, I got. It's a good one. I have Blake John Griffin. Wall and DeMarcus Cousins one and two. They're going to share it. They're going to. Sh- it's going to be the shared award. We're going to have the the weird. What's the trophy going to look like? Um, but besides that, like it's it's going. To, I think it's those two guys. I think they're the most. It's the funnest story in the sense of look at Wall isn't that much quicker, but it's like he's got that burst that he still has it so far that we've seen. And Cousins has looked pretty slim like he's kept the weight off and things like that like i'm pretty impressed by that so for me it's those two guys even more so than kd only because maybe i was expecting more i was expecting kd to to come back to at least fairly decent form these two guys i had real question marks i have yeah. a clarifying question um if you come back from injury did you have to be poor in your performance before the injury because durant was fine misses a season and then comes back. And I think we're all assuming he's going to be fine. Does that count as coming back in this case? I think that's a comeback. You come back from an Achilles. Achilles. Yeah. yeah, Ben, you a tough judge. Well, he really know, is. He's, he's, he's six, 10 and a half. He's going to shoot he his Achilles. Dude couldn't walk. Yeah. You don't need an Achilles. <laughs> so we're going to call this the Willis Reed comeback player of the year award. Okay. That's what we're going with. And, and my pick would be Kevin Durant. I think he's going to be, amazing this season i watched two minutes of that of that first nets preseason game i saw him get that dunk because it answered the number one question i had how is that first step gonna look i think he looks great physically yeah no he looks great i mean i have no real qualms with it i just think the other two guys have been out two years did you did you guys catch how dave was bragging about watching two minutes did you it was a subtle brag yeah i was shocked he watched minutes (laughs) he's like over one i watched preseason minutes hold on I was gonna say I, I texted I texted uh, in the nerder group chat and and Seth was like I love that you assumed I watched this preseason game live so all right uh, let, let's go let's go to a real award that actually exists um and and Mo you're gonna get the first shot at this one rookie of the year it's tough because it's very much about opportunity so you have to be strategic when you're thinking about it like it's hard to pick a guy who went to a team where, you know, maybe he's in the rotation, but he's not a starter, maybe playing less than 20 minutes. Who's your pick, Mo? 
First off, you couldn't have picked the worst guy to go to first. Oh, I'm I know. the least knowledgeable of the draft between all of us here. Um, Listen, it's a it, we're guessing. It, we're not. I, I know you don't have to explain yeah. it to me. <laughs> I care. I picked Orlando last year to finish third. You think I care? <laughs> um, Anything ultimate, higher than fourth for Orlando last year was clearly outlandish. Uh, yeah. Okay, Dave. Um, the. Uh, Ultimately, I just kind of look at it, and you're right. It's going to come down to opportunities. And there's a couple of guys that I'm like, man, I just don't know if they're going to get the minutes they're supposed to get. But I think ultimately, I think I might go Patrick Williams in Chicago almost as a dark horse. Like, he looks really good for them. I like what he brings off the dribble and kind of his attacking mentality. I think Chicago is going to get a pretty good bump this year, just better coaching. Already gave them five to ten more wins, I feel like. So, I mean, I I think it might be him. I mean, he's he looks comfortable, NBA ready body, like that kind of stuff really matters. Um, I don't know, that's not that's not a bad pick, uh, Seth. You want to go next? I think this could be a year, kind of um, like where uh, you, you talk about opportunity, and this is not a year where there was necessarily that superstar potential at the top end of the draft. Like Lamelo Ball is going to put up numbers, but he's going to be horribly inefficient and probably and and I wouldn't be shocked if he led the league in turnovers. Um uh so it might be a year like like when Malcolm Brogdon won, where it's a a, a guy who's a, a later pick who finds a good role on a on a strong team and is just a really good role player, like finds his way into you know who's really good this year. Is that and, and he kind of wins sort of as a plurality choice. So I don't know if I don't I I don't have a strong pick as to who that might be but i think that's the kind of that's the kind of oh, bullshit you gotta have a pick bullshit i picked one you gotta have a pick no, no abstract no, picks. no i love it i love that you hey, gave this, uh, this hey, entire my gonna win a rookie of the year i pick. i just okay, i just picked the, I, you know for, if we're making bets on this i just picked the field i was i was really excited yeah, about off the show i know i i thought seth like he went on this whole thing and i was like oh wow he's about to give us this great answer is this going to be a second round pick? Is he going in the late 20s? Like I was getting really warmed up and then you can't just leave it at anyone drafted after 15. I'm making this selection for Seth. Seth is picking Puka Shelby, Shelly or whatever, Puka Shells in, or in Oklahoma City. That's uh, Seth's rookie of the year that's, pick. That's uh, Pokashevsky. Pokashevsky. Sure, okay. Pukashev. Right, ben, ben, who's your rookie of the year? Well, that actually doesn't even fit Seth's criteria. Yeah, really. He's fit. more like yeah. a popping project kind of guy. Um, then it's perfect. <laughs> Man, this is really messed up. I was hoping you guys would take all the obvious ones and then I could go with the dark horse, but you you guys have flipped it on me. You still go uh, with I, the dark horse. I'm going to go with the dark horse. I I do first of all, I'm like, "Whoa, I I haven't seen these guys play at all." I do think when you when you consider the numbers he might put up and just his kind of role and how much media likes wing scores, I do think Edwards is going to be the safe pick. Um, but my pick, I'm I'm going to flip it. Let's have some fun. I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton in Sacramento. Yeah. I mean I think that's I he, think that's looks, a, that's a that's a solid uh version of kind of 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 if if Sacramento's pretty decent like he's probably going to come off the bench most of the year um and he's going to be but he's going to be you know productive in in all like kind of the little things way. He's not going to he's not going to be a 20 game a game score or anything like that, but he's just going to be, he, if he, if he does well, he's going to be solid. He's going to defend. He's going to play, make, he's going to rebound and score a little. Right. And it come. Yeah. You know, I'm ba- I'm banking on some level of injuries taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the betting on Sacramento stuff feels volatile this season. Who knows what's going to happen there. So 
I don't know. I'm sticking with that. I would say the, the ultimate thing for me, for him, if he's going to have a real chance at it, because we know he's not going to start, assuming good health all year for the team. You know, the, the real thing is, is he in the closing lineup? Like, that's going to be the ultimate for him, you know, because there's going to be a lot of rookies. Yeah. You know, if, if he's if he's in the closing lineup and making big plays, defensive stops, or, or big passes in the final two minutes of games and helping the Kings win games, I think that's that's a really good pick. So I'm going to take Seth's thought process, but I'm going the other way. And I'm going with Obi Toppin because he's going to be on an uh, on a bad Knicks team. I think they're going to be fun. They certainly look fun. He's going to get minutes. We know he can score. I think Obi Toppin's going to get a really good shot at actually winning Rookie of the Year. It's a safe pick. I get it. But it is the one that I think is the most likely. LaMelo, I don't think he – I don't think – I think his his failures are going to be too high profile and they're going to stick out in people's minds. And also he's playing in Charlotte. I think the New York bump is going to be really big for Obi. I mean, of course, I'm like couching this and, and trying to be strategic, but I think playing for the Knicks is going to be big. But I also think Obi is kind of good. I think he's going to be a good scoring for if he can shoot at all. It unlocks a whole other thing for them. Uh, so I think Obi Toppin is going to be the guy. He's an adult. You know, and, and in a class of rookies, that matters. He comes in as one of the the few kind of big men that come in with with a full modern big man game, ready to go offensively. Defense questionable, but offensively, he's going to come in. And you're right, he's going to put up highlights in Madison Square Garden. That's going to carry some weight. It's it's again, if as long as they're not trying to play Randall too many minutes over him, I mean, that's really the 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 one thing holding him back. And that is a nerder throwback to last week's episode where we talked about organizational alignment. So if you didn't listen to that, go back and listen to what we think coaches should do when they have a bad team full of young players. Uh, next award, and Seth, you're going to get to start this one, Coach of the Year. I think that it, it's probably going to be the guy that does the best job of managing the injuries and obviously the COVID cases throughout the season. I think that we're going to have a bunch of really good teams that aren't necessarily going to be putting their foot on the gas. It's a wide open field as far as I'm concerned. I think that really the the, the two obvious candidates to me are the teams that, that think they have improved the most, and that's going to be Atlanta and Phoenix. So I think <laughs> like my kind of two picks, if I can, would be uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Pearson and Monty Williams. Uh, just because those are – if those teams perform to expectations – and really, I think I would nail, narrow that down to Monty Williams and, and say that I think that that that, that Phoenix is going to be pretty good and he's going to get – along with Chris Paul, he's going to get a lot of credit for kind of the two-year process of, of turning that team from you know where they were when he took over through the bubble and the bubble kind of playing out into you know a team that's going to battle for – I think battle for home court in, in the West. I love how mad Ben got. I wish this was a video show because Ben just got so mad that Seth took two choices. You can't take two. That's ridiculous. That's he absurd. Takes, he doesn't take a rookie. Now he tries he to take two. <laughs> like Seth is cheating nonstop. The rules today. don't apply to Seth, apparently. All right, Ben. Ben, who's oh, going to win he's, coach of the year? Oh, tampering all of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I was so distraught because he took both of my guys. I figured if Seth goes first and I go second, 
I could pick one of these, but apparently that's not how drafting works anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, we see how it is in Milwaukee. Okay. So now I have to think of someone else on the fly. Um, you could just agree with me. The th- oh, but that would be, that would be a cop out and that's it's not way something. Less fun. Yeah. That's not as fun. Yeah. Um, I like Seth's train of thought. I'll extend it to the next layer, which is teams that kind of do well, finish with a good record. Um, maybe they, they, they have to overachieve for coaches to work, but they have new, something is new, either the coach is new or the situation's new. And so I don't feel confident about either of these, but scanning through the league, I would say um, if Portland does well, maybe Terry Stotts gets one. Or, uh, man, what well, if Indiana... you're picking two now? Now you're picking two? <laughs> okay, I'm done. That's one. That's one. <laughs> no, the, the, the Stotts pick is a good one because he, he's like top of mind for me on this because I think they could be a really good regular season team. When you look at the way that they've accentuated the roster that they already have and as good as Nurkic looked in the bubble, I think that they could, they could really win a lot of games. And most importantly, the way that the season broke down for them where they had that big break. They came back for the bubble. They got the little mini training camp. They got to play some games, see how everyone's conditioning, see how Nurk progressed. They got a lot of information there. And then they get another really big break. I think that they are among the, the teams that are going to be the most physically prepared for the season because of that. Like they never had a chance to really, you know, have anyone get totally out of shape. They got to implement new stuff inside the bubble. And then the additions that they made, Robert Covington, is huge. They could they could be if LA takes it easy during the regular season, Portland could be in the mix for the one seed. I think that they, they improved that much. Dave, save some of this heat for our, our wow. preview podcast next week. That, that's right. I'll be wow. on thinking basketball with Ben next week. All right, Mo, to you, who coach of the year? Hold on, that was a hell of a take, Dave. That's a good take. One in the West. Come if on, if like they're really, trying. I'm very high on Portland, but that's mm-hmm. that's too like you. You, you know, you are high. Wins, period. That first month, you, you, I, that first month, I see them banking a lot of wins. Phoenix, they too. don't have, they don't quite have the continuity down yet. They've still got a lot of stuff they're trying to figure out defensively before you you, you go there. But that's a whole other story. And Seth looks bored. No, I just think so, Dave will get one of these um, big predictions right someday. Maybe this is the one. Maybe it is. It's, it's it's betting on the world's <laughs> gonna end someday, kind of deal. Today's yeah. the day. Murder she wrote um, is also the burned over district. Um the 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 guy I think that's gonna win it, and it, it not not the best flashiest pick, but I think it's gonna be Rick Carlisle. I think the team's gonna have improved a lot. I think they're. I think Luca's gonna hit a, a a relative another level. I don't think he's gonna go super crazy, but I think he's gonna kind of be where he is. And I think the pickup of Josh Richardson really helps that team. I think they kind of move on. I think if they're just kind of, if they're third in the West and what's going to be a crazy ass Western conference this year, I think that he's going to be the coach of the year. See the historical pattern that I'm concerned about is when you have a superstar, the superstar gets more of the credit than the coach. But when you have more of this sort of homogenized multipolar attack with balanced teams and, you know, not one single guy, that's when voters seem to really like to uh, give credit to the coach. So, I mean, Carlisle's amazing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm just concerned about him no, getting credit as long as the Luke is the guy. It's, it's the voting. Right. And yeah. So I, 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 the thing about Carlisle is, again, I worry about them winning enough games 
to be in the mix? Because typically, if you're coach of the year, like top four, do we think Dallas is going to be in the top four in the West? I think the, uh, you think Portland's going to be one. won. Portland's won. <laughs> oh, so Dallas no. is coming right in there at no, two. Come on. I think the no, narrative, no, Portland, the, so the narrative is, is there be for missing. Carlisle. Like if they, I do think because if, for example, like you're about to say that that Porzingis is going to miss some time. Okay, they play pretty. They they manage to play pretty well with Porzingis out there. Like still are you know sitting fourth in the West when Porzingis comes back, and then they go on a run, and and then and and now you have this because this is really an award about narrative, and that's that's you know kind of what right. we're talking about with with all these guys, and so like the the bones of the narrative for Rick Carlisle winning Coach of the Year are there. And it certainly helps that for both him and Terry Stotts that there are they are coaches who are already sort of well regarded, uh, so that that you know yes the superstar will get credit, but it's like okay Luca's great, but we've known that Rick Carlisle is really good. Like same with with Dame right. Lillard and, and Stotts. So I think they both okay have that narrative tailwind behind them. So my my choice for coach of the year also has a little bit of the narrative thing. Jeremy Grant leaving the Nuggets has made a lot of people, including myself, start to discount how good the Nuggets could be this year. Just because I don't think that they could fill that that hole. If everything works out for them, Michael Porter Jr. really catches on and is able to play passable defense, and if they're as good as they've looked so far, which they've looked great, and I know it's preseason, but they've looked really, really connected, um, that team could be really good. I think Michael Malone could win. I mean, they had their coming out party last year. We no longer are patting them on the head, telling them they did such a great job. They now have expectations. I think if they kind of meet those expectations, Michael Malone's going to be in the running for Coach of the Year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. No, it's perfectly fair. I mean, I honestly just think the, the, to me, whatever team ends up in the three seed in the West, that coach should get coach of the year. It's just going to be that stacked. I think it's going to be that tough. It might be. I think it's going to be the top two LA teams, you know, because here's the thing, Dave, even if the Lakers kind of take the year off, they have so much depth that they can probably still be uh, uh, a number one or number two seed just by getting average minutes from LeBron and then everybody else getting going. So I think that's whoever for me, whoever's the third seed, probably should win. Coach probably. Yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah, there's because the, they're going to have less talent. Th- yeah. There's like three teams that that probably can't win it just because they're they they can't exceed expectations by that much, and that's like so basically you can you can say you can say Ty Lue, you can say Mike Budenholzer, and you can say Frank Vogel. Okay, they can't win it because there's there, there's sure. there's no way that they can beat the beat the number by that much. But a- anyone else, it's basically like. 
which team goes it goes eight and two in close games almost is 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 going to win the coach of the year. You know, you got, just got me thinking that someone we didn't mention that that I think will be in the mix because I think the Sixers are going to be good. Doc Rivers for sure is going to be in the mix. Oh yeah, people love Doc too. Like that's the whole. Forget the narrative. He is the narrative. Like that's the he, he's the definition of it. You know, and and if they win games, it's and rightfully so. By the way, if he puts together an offense that looks pretty good, watching them right now, you know, some of the stuff I really like watching them is they're actually cutting a lot. They're doing a lot of stuff. The guy who, who they're cutting behind the nail guy constantly in these games, and watching that, I'm like, what, like. This is great stuff here, and I could see it from the Sixers, and I could see Doc winning it. That's definitely a fair uh, fair assessment. Once guys figure out to get out of Ben Simmons' way in the half court, like Doc's already got him catching the ball on the move in the half court. Once guys learn to be out of the way for that, like there's already you, – you can see it. Like they're working on, on the chemistry there. Uh, but once guys kind of figure the timing out, that offense in the half court might be really, really good. And we already know what the defense is going to look like. Which brings shooters. me – Absolutely. But that brings me to the next award. Ben, there's a right answer here. And I expect you to get it. Defensive player of the the year. Defensive player of the year. We're we're going to that already. It's a, well, we only got that and MVP left. Like we're not, we're not giving away the humanitarian awards. You're on on executive of the year. (laughs) Yes. Executive of the year. Yes. Uh, defensive player of the year. I have to go first on this. Can I cede my first position to someone else and come back when it's harder? If you cede okay, to me, yeah, can we'll I go, pick we'll... two? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Seth's going to pick five. What are we talking about? He's going to every round. He's going to go <laughs> right, higher you know and higher. Here, here, I'll go first on defensive player of the year. Okay. Um, and that way I don't have to go first on MVP. Um, defensive player of the year. I'm going with Ben Simmons. I think yeah. that that team is going to be really good. Ben Simmons is is good enough. Like I think he's at that level where he could be mentioned for defensive player of the year as it is. And when you have a guy who can do so many things defensively, I mean he he can do everything. Why not? That defense is going to be solid. I think I think Ben Simmons has a very good shot at at being defensive player of the year. That was that was going to be my pick. So, um and I'm not surprised you stole it, but I'm going to go with his his front court mate Joel Embiid. Then, if that's the other option, no. Wait know? a second. Wait a second. I was supposed to get the pass back. No, there. stop and it. You had your chance. You had your chance and you blew it. Stop it. You had your chance and you blew it, Ben. It's over. You don't get other opportunities in life. Everybody talks about second chances. It doesn't really happen in a draft, bro. Okay. As somebody who's been in the draft, you don't get a chance when you just kind of let it go. It's <laughs> over. Right, so, You're done. So Embiid. All right, Embiid is a good choice because you've got Ben Simmons. You've got Danny Green. Like they actually have like pretty good pieces around Embiid, which makes it is going to make his job easier this year. Here's my one pushback on it. Will he play enough games with the condensed season? Are they going to, are they going to manage his minutes and the number of games played to a point where people don't feel comfortable giving him the award? I have a, I have a, a, I don't think that's the only question with Joel Embiid. Again, I think that it felt like the playoffs last year were a little bit of a, of, a, of an inflection point in how we think about like defense, especially kind of traditional drop centers. And so I'm wondering if kind of the worm has turned on that a little so that a player like Embiid, a player like Rudy Gobert is going to need to have such an outlandish season by their standards 
of, of kind of that, that style of defense because they could be really good and it'd still be like, well, that's not going to work in the playoffs when everyone's just going to hit pull-up jumpers against them. So we discount that. So maybe that that militates towards uh, you know, kind of the the more versatile defender like a Ben Simmons or a or a Giannis or maybe even a you know a, a smaller point of attack guy, which we haven't seen for I, I don't I don't know how long since you know, I was listening to Ben's podcast since uh, arguably since like Michael Jordan, Gary Gary, Gary Payton. Payton. Thank you, Gary Payton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so can I pick now? Yes, Gary yeah. Payton. Or did, did no? I, no, go? no. I I, I cleared <laughs> the floor for you, so you 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 may go, sir. That's right. So, uh, well, I just, I think piggybacking on that idea, um, obviously Davis is a name, but I'm not, I'm not convinced that the Lakers are going to put too much stock in winning a lot of regular season games and the structure of the team isn't quite as big, giant, dominant defensive force night in and night out. So with that said, with, with the Philly guys off the table, I, I guess I'll go with Bam. I could see a narrative behind him. Yeah, I'll go with that's Bam. A good, that's a good pick, yeah. and and he's he offers them like he he makes it so that they can play three or four different right. defensive styles for full games. Here's the real question: What is the award for winning this award show? I mean, I don't know. I, I won't remember I've already anyone's won. picks after this. So. I've already won. What are <laughs> no, we that's how about? executive of yeah. the year works. We were going to come back at the end of the year. No, that's we're right. not. I've already won. I've declared myself the winner. It no, is we, actually, even before you know, we get to the MVP. I am correct. As a matter of fact, no, we will do that. We will have an end of the year awards recap where we go through our picks and we see how dumb we all are. We go through all of our pots and decide who is the most valuable player. Yeah. I can't wait it'll for, be the, for it'll to be... rehash Dave's number one for the Blazers top seed. <laughs> I couched that in, in like the most extreme way I could yeah, possibly Yeah, I didn't hear it. any of it. <laughs> all right. This one, here's the big one. All right, Ben, you're going to, you're going to lead off because you're our guest. Most valuable player. Fake? Most valuable player. We're only doing real awards. This is it. This is the last one. Most valuable uh, player. Well, we talked about doing, we right. talked about doing offensive player of the year, but then we realized that's just MVP. So <laughs> Exactly. It's but I don't think it is because like the last two years, the the offensive player of the year winner would not have been the MVP. Hmm. It's best offensive player on one of the best couple of teams. I, right? I think he's suggesting that if it was an offensive player of the year, James Harden would have won it the last couple of years. Am, am I am yeah. I guessing wrong? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, unless I'm forgetting someone obvious, no, I think. No, All right. Yeah, well, then you know right. what? Let's pivot. Let's pivot. We'll go. Let's do offensive player of the year, and then we'll do MVP. So, offensive player of the year, Ben, you go first. What if it's my MVP pick? Which it is. That's Jeez, fine. That's fine. Ben, fucking, just pick the MVP. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Luca. Okay. Yeah. You're not, which I don't. Not worried. So you're not worried at all that they're going to win enough games for him to actually be able to win MVP. No, I'm. I'm worried. I think more realistically, I'm worried about him. I don't think you can assume, and and Seth is done plenty of research on this as well you can't just assume that he's going to continue to grow in a way that feels leapy and narrative and all of these kinds of things and so while I do think he'll continue to get better what I'm looking for him in terms of hitting that next level that that insane potential that's sitting right there is stuff like 
polishing his outside shot. Um, you know, things that take a while versus overnight. So even with that said, um, I think there's clear fatigue for Giannis. I'm not going to talk through all the picks here, but a clear fatigue for him. Um, I don't think the Lakers are going to have one of their, their guys be there. Although that you could, you could make an argument. So I'm still thinking you're, you're talking about a super high end band of player that's limited to like four five, six guys. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with him. Yeah. Mo, I thought we were gonna go to Seth since I went second last time. I'd I'd, I'd let Seth go if you if you want. No, I so if he's gonna actually make no, a I pick am gonna I am gonna make a pick, and and I think Ben's hit on something that I think that this is that that the field is very clear this year because the the kind of the 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 usual suspects I think are like like Giannis would have to do something just stupendously absurd to win a third straight just because that oh third straight MVP no one's done that since Larry Bird uh and and uh, um and I think that yeah the Lakers guys are probably not gonna not gonna play enough or as as focused uh Kawhi is not gonna play as enough I think Harden is DQ'd for any number of reasons um and I don't I don't I don't think the Warriors are actually gonna be that good so Steph is out um, so that that kind of leads to kind of along the similar lines as Dave's coach of the year pick. I think uh, Jokic is in a really good spot if Denver kind of maintains in that like top three category. Uh, again, judging based on on kind of the the respect he got off of of his playoff performances last year, if he kind of rolls that into the year this year and they're really good, um, he doesn't need to put up the like the stupid outlandish numbers just because his his sort of his passing and all around game is going to allow people to just be wowed by that and if they're really good he'll get the credit for it i I just want to say dave i just want to say if i had two picks i would have taken both it's not how uh, a draft luca and Jokic. (laughs) well look here's the thing with Jokic though so Jokic can still put up like 20 12 and and seven Right. And those are those are insane numbers. But we've just been watching other guys doing the 30, 12. I mean, what it was Giannis last year was 30, 12 and, and six or something ridiculous like that. Um, I, I, I like the Jokic pick. I actually talked about that the other day on Rainbow Skyline that I felt like, again, it's the, the narrative stuff is on his side. And the fact that so many guys are likely kind of disqualified. Uh, I think he's got a good shot at it. Mo, your turn. This is the correct answer. And it's Damian Lillard. Okay. Like Dame's honestly, I'll be honest with you. I thought if the Blazers were healthy last year, Dame would have been a top three MVP candidate. That team was really good, you know, when they were fully healthy. And this team is better this year. I still think they have stuff they got to work on defensively. I think they're going to be really good. Not as high as Dave. But the the deal is I just think he's going to take this team to another level. The narrative is going to be there. This, everybody saw what he did in the the bubble all the way to the, the playing games and then the playoff game against the Lakers where they won game one. I think the narrative is there. The to, it, it's, it seems like this is the time right now for Damian Lillard. So I'm going with Damian Lillard as the MVP this year. And I'm correct. I think that's, that's a, this is a pretty huge year for him from a legacy standpoint. And this is something we've kind of touched on before, and I know I talked about it when I was doing the player tiers, is there's been the, the well, why isn't Dame Steph? And this is maybe, if they're close to as good as Dave thinks they're going to be, this is the year where he has the most chance to 
be at that level. And so if he can get there and, and, you know, be that MVP guy, then he kind of historically vaults into a level of, you know, who was, who was, who was just on that level. He just didn't have the team around him as much versus a guy who's maybe we still, and I, I certainly still see him as just that tiniest cut below. And, and if he, if he does what Mo's talking about like that, you know, to the extent we, we care about legacy. And I think Ben is someone who, thinks and talks about yeah. this a lot. Uh, what, what do you think about that, that, that idea, Ben? Oh, that it's a make or break kind of situation for Dame this year. If he can vault into that. Category. I don't want to say make or break. It's kind of, it's, it's only, it's really only upside for him in, in, in that it's regard. An opportunity. Yeah. It's an opportunity. Yeah. The door yeah. is open. Can he walk through it? Yeah. I, I mean, I buy that. I don't know how accurate the narrative would be, but certainly, certainly with any decent lens, uh, the idea that you have another small guard of the era who can shoot like Lillard can kind of get in get his get his foot in the door in that conversation uh, by by you know not only winning that award but leading the Blazers to the number one seed um, you know that would be yeah I I think that would be huge the 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 one thing I always kind of the the, the Steph Dame comparison that 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 always kind of doesn't seem to fit is. They're also very different players in the sense of just because they could shoot and launch from deep, they're not the same players, right? Dame operates mainly out of the pick and roll. And Steph operates mainly off screens, setting screens, moving around and things like that. So to me, it's always funny because the conversation is, well, like if they switch teams, what would happen? They would play differently. The teams would have to play differently and the setup would have to be different and all of that stuff. So for me, it's always kind of like I know we're going to use – and when I mean we, I mean – a lot of people are going to go in and use this season as a referendum on Steph Curry this year because, you know, how the Warriors are. And that's not really a fair comparison. And then they're going to say, well, look at what Dame's doing. And Dame's done more with less teams and things like that. I don't think Dame's ever had a team that's going to be as uh, challenged as this Golden State Warriors team is going to be. And I think that's going to be the, the, the one thing I just try to push against. But again, I just think this is Dame's time. All right. Is, you know who's the dark horse here? We haven't mentioned. Well, I haven't made my pick yet. Oh, All right, go ahead. Maybe okay. We'll get it. Now I don't know how good the Nets are going to be, but man, wow, if they are good, that, that was that was not it. <laughs> if they are good, it's going to be because of Kevin Durant. And so, if they're good, I think Kevin Durant has a really good shot. He's got every single thing you need. He's got the narrative. He's got the comeback. Obviously, he's Kevin freaking Durant. So, you know, he could lead the league in scoring very easily. Um, he I think doesn't Kevin have Durant, a healthy Achilles tendon. That's the one thing he doesn't well, have. Well, but, you know, maybe though. Maybe he's fine. Ben said you don't All need you, one. How, how, many, how many wins do you think they need? You can keep it in 82-game parlance for me. I can't do the translation. I but, mean, I mean, are you 50-55? Do they have to be in fi- the top if two? If they're a 50-win team? No. Doesn't that put them in the conversation? 55-win? No. 55 55, like 55-win pace over 82, which is, I guess, in 72. And I don't think they age. have the defense necessarily to do that. But I think that if they are there, like if everything just breaks right for them and they are in that mix, Kevin Durant has a good shot at it. As good a shot as anyone, if they're good. And we know they're going to be good offensively. I just don't, I don't know if they're going to defend. Actually, I think, you know what? Hold on. I don't think they're going to defend. Let me just go ahead and say that now. I don't think yeah, they're going to okay. defend. But if they do figure out a way to win basketball games without playing defense, then I think Kevin Durant's got a good shot at MVP. 
But I think he's the one heavy hitter that's not disqualified this year. I think you're right. you're on that target there, Dave. I wonder. Like I don't I don't gamble, so I don't like look at that stuff. But I wonder what the odds are for Kevin Durant. He he is two four six. He's eighth on uh, Action Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay. he is behind a guy who I think is the is kind of the real dark horse. Who's that? James Harden. <laughs> Well, look, man. If he plays, the Rockets could be okay. If he if he's playing and gets into shape, they could be okay. I don't even know if he needs it. to be in shape. Well, that's he true. doesn't need to be in shape. His game, he's fine. He just runs through people. But like, it's it's really just a question of like, how is he going to handle this year? You right. know, and and is he going to buy in later in the year? What's what's the whole deal? Like, I think there's interesting stuff with the Rockets if he buys into Steven Silas's and a, and a new kind of offensive game plan. I don't know if he's going to, but that's that's the the deal there. I actually here's here's a slight hot take here. I actually don't think I think Harden's days as like a top three MVP candidate are done. Now is how much of that is you don't think he's that level of a player, and how much of it is any sort of tie goes to the runner calculus goes against him because kind of from a voting perspective, it seems like that worm has turned for, I think for like, by the way, like not, I wouldn't necessarily say not completely undeservedly. So it's not like he's being acted upon here. I think he like to the, to the degree that's happened, that's, you know, self-inflicted, but no, I think it's a, I think it's an ability thing. I think part of it is the way the game's going to be. I think we're slowly going to see a shift in away from heliocentric basketball. I think we're going to see it's going to be slow. It's not going to be overnight. I know Seth just gave me the the head nod. Um, the the uh, thing, but the uh, um, I just think even when you watch Luca, Luca gets off the ball, gets it back, works. Uh, around it you know in different areas and operates and things like that when Harden gets off the ball he just chills and it's that's and that's the thing that's going to have to change and one that if he does change in that respect to a degree he drops down into what what he is but I think overall I think the game when you look at the finals of the last two teams you know the the heat uh, egalitarian offense, running around, passing, moving, things like that. As much as the ball was in LeBron's hands to create, it was also not in his hands. A big part of that finals team for the Lakers was Rondo creating for him, was AD making things happen. It wasn't just LeBron. And I think we're going to slowly get away from that. I don't know how long it's going to take, but with that, I think that means Harden's going to drop out of the uh, the MVP uh conversation top three conversation there's a couple of interesting things going on here one it's interesting in particular you brought luca up here because uh there are two players in the league that had the ball in their hands more than harden last year it was trey young and it was luca Doncic. now what you're saying is like luca is probably unique amongst those three players is like trey and, and harden deactivate off the ball and luca you know luca will cut through and do some other stuff and 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 maybe involve himself in the offense in ways that those two don't. So it's just interesting, the perception of that. And the second is, uh, I don't disagree with you at all about, you know, kind of moving away from, uh, you know, this, this one man band heliocentrism, I think, um, or at least moving away from that as like MVP bait, because I do think there is some realization that some of the absurd stat lines that these guys are putting up are a result of team choice. 
Like you have, you know, you have your 80 points and 30 rebounds and 20 assists that every team starts a game with just for walking in the gym. And, you know, certain team, like, you know, the last couple of years, the Rockets are like, well, the first 20 points are yours, James. And, and so how, how much are you adding by being so, um, such a hoover of those stats? And so I think that, that people are, are going to be looking for more than just like accumulation so that moves away from just the kind of the on-ball, do-everything guy as a top, top MVP candidate. Well, it's funny, Mo, you were talking about how, you know, how Miami had success, how the Lakers had success going going away from the LeBron heliocentrism. Honestly, you can just look at the, the Rockets' lack of success as far as making the finals, right? Like, they, ultimately, they reached the end of the road with the style of play that they, that they used. They didn't have... You know they didn't have an off-speed pitch. This is what the Bucks ran into last year. You know, yeah. And I think that the having the off-speed pitch is super important. Yeah, and this is goes back to Dave. The Nuggets have a have have a different. The emergence of Jamal Murray has opened more doors for them in how they could play. The Blazers have added a versatility to their to their team that they can play different ways and things like that. And I don't think it's going to just be dependent solely on one person. And I think when you want to build a team and a championship and you want to move forward, I think this is the this is going to be the thought process. Doesn't mean. Listen, if you're the Rockets, yeah, you're rolling through in the fourth quarter. Yeah, let's ISO James. This doesn't mean it goes away completely, but there's going to be – there needs to be a downshift a little bit into how much that takes precedent over everything else. All right. Well, uh, as we wrap, Ben, you know how this goes. I like to put you on the spot, ask what you're thinking about right now, what you're looking forward to in the next week. By the time we drop another show, it's Christmas Day. Our next show will come out on Christmas Day. And we'll be a couple of days into the regular season, which doesn't feel possible. So, Ben, what are you thinking about in the next week? Sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's it? You're just going to sleep, taking a week off? No, that's just the only thing that I'm looking. I, Dave, I'm looking forward to continuing my, my series through NBA history, which was supposed to run during the, the dark, cavernous winter of the pandemic offseason. Instead of bumping up into the immediately let's start before Christmas NBA season. So, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, it's sort of like my home construction project that I've, I've now had to adjust my schedule around um, the loud noises. So I, I feel you. Uh, what was the, the newest video was Larry Bird, right? We're on Larry Bird. Yeah, which I mean, I think it's all downhill after after we get to Larry Bird. So, <laughs> uh, Mo, what about you? What are you what are you looking at? Excuse me, I had to unmute there. Um, you know, honestly, the, the the thing I'm really looking at, and it's not just this week, it's it's really through the whole season, to be honest, since the season's going to start by the time this thing goes. I am very wary of us saying this guy's going to take a leap. A lot of guys, this offseason has not been normal. And some of these guys in the bubble already kind of took the leap. And, you know, the teams that are in the conference finals, we're in the finals, those young guys may not have had the opportunity to let alone let their bodies rest before they can get back in the gym and start working on new skills and, and things like that. And and that's why I wouldn't be surprised to see if Luca's not, you know, a whole nother level, you know, there's the whole situation with COVID and everything and everybody having a different scenario. I don't know if we're going to see as many of teams, many guys from teams in the bubble. We're going to say that guy took a leap. I don't think we're going to see that that much this year. I think we'll see it with some of the guys who didn't play the, 
eight, the delete eight, as uh, Seth and Dave, I believe, coined a while back. I think it was um, John Hollinger that that said it first. Okay, well, I'll still give you credit. Sorry, John. Um, the uh, the the lead eight though, like those guys, we might see leaves from and, and and things like that. But I, I'm weary on it, and especially it's guys like Tatum, Murray, all those dudes, Michael Porter Jr. Like I don't know how much time was able they were able to really put in in the lab to get that much better. So that's kind of what I'm keeping an eye on. Seth, I am looking forward to seeing how much this year is kind of a you know in soccer terms you might call it a squad game. You know, in, in, in European soccer, teams are playing two, three, four competitions at the same time. Um, so, oh, we have a European game, so maybe we'll, we'll, you know, half of our starters and half of our backups will play tonight. I'm looking forward to see if, you know, the 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 Talon Horton Tuckers, the PJ Dozers, the kind of the the guys who are going to be 13th man on on rosters in a normal season and maybe not get a lot of time. All of a sudden, those guys start to um, – to shine a little bit more, we get we get a we get a good sense of just the the depth of talent that's in the league now, um, with kind of all of these these kind of young guys who would be kind of in mop up roles, maybe just getting a little bit more of a chance because of of kind of the schedule weirdness of this year. So my thing kind of piggybacks on yours a little bit. Um, one of the few things I feel I can get out of watching any preseason is physical conditioning for guys. So like players coming back from injury, how do rookies look? I've been really impressed with this rookie class so far. They seem to be kind of ahead of established NBA players as far as physical conditioning goes. And I wonder whether it has to do with, you know, they started training for the NBA way earlier than normal. Like most of these guys just started going to the gym with trainers or, you know, they got their agent and and they start working with the agency trainers the, the rookies right now look to be a bit ahead of the curve than most rookie classes at this point. And again, it's preseason, but physically. So I want to see how that progresses throughout the year. I want to see if these guys stay ahead. You know, if it's something that, you know, they've kind of hit their peak for this season already. Or if it's if they're going to be able to build on it even further. And by the end of the year, like maybe we're talking about this is a much better rookie class than we expected. I already think it's going to be just because there's, there's so many solid role players in this draft. Um, and those guys, the, a lot of the guys that I, that I think of when I'm thinking of the role players in this draft are already standing out as smart players and guys that you can see a role for them today. Uh, so I want to see how they physically progress throughout the year, because I think that they've, they've kind of got a little bit of an advantage over most rookie classes. That's an interesting observation because uh, I think Sam Vecini has talked about this a lot in that in the the number of guys in this year's draft class who aren't, I'm going to come in and be a superstar. They're, I'm going to come in and be Danny Green. I'm going to come in and be PJ Tucker. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come in and re- realize where my spot is and fit in in that spot rather than you know, like I'm going to be a star right away and have, and have kind of the, the crash course in reality that, that uh, kind of one and dones might tend to get in that regard. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be something interesting to watch. I can't believe we got actual regular season basketball coming up in less than a week. Uh, we'll be back on the athletic NBA show of course 
next week, next Friday, Christmas Day, we'll be dropping a new episode. And I'm doing our annual season preview over on Thinking Basketball with Ben next week. It is always an epic show. So I promise everyone that that show is going to be absolutely insane. Uh, Go and subscribe to his YouTube channel. If you like basketball, you will love the stuff that he makes. He makes some of the most thoughtful basketball content that anyone makes, hands down. So go check that out over on YouTube. We'll be back next week. Uh, We got buds coming out Monday morning, and we got a lot to talk about. So everybody make sure you draft. Yeah, exactly. And make sure... That's all that matters to Mo is that he won. Uh, so, so make sure that you're subscribed on the app so you get notifications and you can hear the show with no ads. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, as always, for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.